Hello, I am John. And I'm Colin. I'm Paul. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish a good podcast. Cue Please. the theme song. Oh. oh my God. They found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Run for Ronnie! Who? Who? Who do you think? The Libyans! Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. 88 miles per hour, Doc. 88 miles per hour. Back to the future. All right, let's do Back to the Future. This is a 1985 film about a uh, high school student, I guess, who weirdly befriends an old man who's got a giant speaker in his living room and gets uh, messed up on a short-scale basis with some uh, Libyan terrorists, uh, has a, a... DeLorean time machine he gets into travels back to 1955 and hijinks ensue as he tries to get back to the future. I don't think they would be friends like if that movie took place today because like a weird old man and a teenager that's no one's letting that fly. But even there's no motivation for it even back then like they never explain how those two even became friends or what the re- the point of their relationship even was. True. Other than he has a giant speaker in his living room. I, well, I don't know why. How did he find out about that? He put an ad on TV, living in yeah. garage, have giant speaker, need teenage well, boy. Well, it sounds yeah. like they've actually known each other for years too. So I think he's known him since he was at least in junior high. Wouldn't that just be a giant woofer, by the way? Isn't that like where all the bass frequencies come out of <laughs> something that big? Uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out the function of that uh, of that speaker and, what, and how why is he irresponsibly he uses it just by jacking everything up to full. Like, what did he think was going to happen? What surprised me was there was real no uh, inciting incident in that movie. It just kind of opened and Marty's in there. and he That wasn't it where he flew and... back into the wall. and Oh, no, he was late for school, right? But it doesn't really propel the story. Usually an inciting incident is what lays the groundwork well, for what's about to come. So, and there really was none. Well, no, so usually it's about page 11. So, like, whatever happened on page 11, did he go back in time in page 11? Well, I, the, the whole thing happens lo- when he goes to meet Doc at the at Twin Pines Mall. It seemed to get to a long time to get to the actual point of the oh, movie. Oh, it's funny that you say that, too, because I watched it with someone who'd never seen it, and they were asking me, they, were, they said they were about to ask me what was going on because they were confused, like, through the setup of the movie as to what the hell was going on. It's true. There is a lot of setup to start. I think it's probably 10 or 15 minutes before he goes to the mall. Um, and, and this movie's runtime is just under two hours. I think it's an hour fifty. Yeah, which is great. It, the, like it works. The 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 structure of this this movie should not work at all. The storytelling, but it does, in my opinion. At the end of the day, it's I don't know how because Marty learns nothing, and everyone else around him changes. He's the only person who doesn't change. Even Doc Brown changes. Yeah, it's true. I, I have some comments to share on that a little bit later. Uh, in the intro, though, we get. Um, uh, the really cool intro panning across all the clocks and then some of Doc's machinery. So we're kind of getting introduced to Doc Brown without even seeing him. And I always smile when I see the clock with the guy holding the minute hand. I had the, never the seen that before. Yeah. I had never noticed that before. There's a guy hanging off a clock uh, in the early stages. So that's that's funny. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing that they never make a big deal of, and I feel like 
way back when when I saw this movie, uh, we watched it a bunch in my family, and um, we talked about this before there was an internet to even talk about it, but the whole Twin Pine Mall where they show up, and then uh, after Marty goes back to the future and he's leaving Peabody's land, because Peabody owned all this, had this crazy idea of breeding pine trees, and he runs over his pine, and then later on in the flick when he goes back, it's Lone Pine Mall. Um, so that's kind of a funny... What? It, they changed the name the of the mall? The mall name changes when Marty goes back to save Doc the second time. Did um, he kill the guy with his car? No, he, he kills <laughs> the guy's pine tree, runs it over, and then the guy shoots at him and blows up his mailbox. You remember that? Yeah, scene? so yeah. why do they change? I don't understand. Because there were single, two pines. Single pine. Now it's Lone Pine. Oh, mall. Lone. I thought you said They're low. implying that trees fuck like people, and that's how you make more trees. That's right. That's what he could never grow another tree. Oh, okay, see, I would, a that's an Easter egg for me because I've never seen any of that. Yeah. I did not know that changed. Uh, I also, I watched this flick, um, I, I guess first of all, uh, this flick is uh, nostalgic to say the least. Um, this would be a beloved movie, would you guys not agree? Only if you grew up with it. I can't fathom anyone being born after the year 2000 thinking it was a beloved movie. Well, it's funny when you take, um, at the time when it came out, obviously it was current, duh, uh, but it had some cool technology for the time with the, the camcorder and uh, some of Doc's inventions and then goes back to 1985 and juxtaposes the lack of technology and, and currency. But now for us watching it 20, 30 years later, holy shit. <laughs> it just goes to show also, well, it's 33 years old. It oh go, also goes to show the how technology did change it's just it's now it's become an 80s movie right it's an it's Absolutely. a it's a it's a like a period piece now about the 1980s and the 1950s which i still think makes it interesting and relevant yeah because that whole when he goes back into time that whole the music they use and they and everyone they all got their first TVs and everything's in black and white i love all that shit see because when he goes back <clears throat> For even us as the audience, like that's way back in another era. So it, we're getting the same experience as Marty to see how weird it is when the four guys at the gas station come out and just start jacking air and tires and washing windows and stuff. But the stuff when he's in 1985 now to us is is like the same difference that Marty was experiencing when he went back 30 years before. So quaint. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's like you're getting you're getting a twofer of like nostalgia yeah which also that for those same reasons makes the second one the second back to the future which we're not here to review today but my least favorite of the three just because some parts of the what they predicted for the future are funny but also crazy well it's so yeah and it's and it's 2015 the second movie when he they go forward so it was yeah. three years ago so i watched it on the the anniversary of 2015 and uh yeah the, the flying cars, the pizza, dehydrated pizzas. Yeah, oh, yeah right. that stuff's all ridiculous. Uh, but in this one, um, so I watched it in HD and the makeup on the actors was pretty noticeable. Oh, it's terrible. The, that's the one. The, the principal. I, the neck tell makeup. Me, tell me you saw the principal. I, I was like, did he hang himself or something? <laughs> he or? walked in and I was like, what's wrong with his face? Is he from the original Westworld or something? You could see the line. <laughs> Where his makeup stopped and where it started. And what yeah. was wrong with Doc's neck? It yeah, looked like Doc's he had neck. been burnt, seriously burnt all the way down the rest Holy of his shit, body. that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, the makeup's awful in this movie. 
Yeah. And I just say that I am for that I am fucking done with Huey Lewis in the news for the next ten years. <laughs> if I never hear another Huey Lewis song again, I'll be pleased. At least for a decade. See, and my and God, I, like, give I, it a rest. And I, I got to say that, like, not hearing, seeing those movies in a long time, and not hearing his music in a long time, I, I didn't mind it. I, like, I got nostalgic over Huey Lewis again. At the beginning, absolutely, so did I. But then, by the like seventh version of Power of Love, I was like, okay, I understand the power <laughs> of fucking love. <laughs> Yes, and then they yeah. had to bring Back in Time or the other shitty Huey Lewis song at the end and play that over Back and over in Time. The, both those songs were written specifically for the movie. Uh, I think he wrote uh, The Power of Love and they were like, no, this doesn't fit. And then, then he watched a screening of the movie and wrote uh, Back in Time, but right. they used them both in the movie. What I did really like, though, was Marty's band for the Battle of the Bands, the Pinheads. Their version <laughs> of Huey's song was awesome. And then Huey dissed them sitting in the crowd with his megaphone. He's like, you're just too damn loud. I'm yeah. like, fuck off, Huey. Yeah. The, the best thing about one. Huey Lewis, and this is not really not movie related, is the fact that he made so much money during that era, he just said, fuck it, I'm out. Like, you're not going to go to the Grey Eagle Casino to see Huey Lewis in the news plane. He's got so much money, he doesn't need to fucking go on some, you know soil his legacy or whatever doing all these shitty uh, goodbye tours or any of that nonsense yeah that's, that's true. A, i never so thought good about him. that yeah, where I, is he he's never... on a beach somewhere <laughs> he's on a beach somewhere yeah. with twins yeah singing power of love <laughs> <laughs> it is dementia yeah he just mumbles it everywhere he goes can we talk about uh marty mcfly yeah formerly marty. known as eric stoltz yeah okay. oh that's correct sure um, I've seen now uh, a couple of the clips of Eric Stoltz um, that well. made it to the internet. And yeah, if they were thinking that this movie was going to have a comic flair, um, Stoltz did not bring that in any scene I saw him in. And I, I understand from watching some interviews with the actors that this is why he was let go. And um, That's why I think the Michael J. Fox, I think that's why the movie worked still. In, I still think it works today in many ways. And one of the ways is because... Michael J. Fox's character, he exaggerates everything and overplays it to a comic. So does so does Christopher Lloyd. I think if it wasn't for the both of them, that movie it would works. utterly crash and burn. Yeah, those two. Normally, when characters are that over the top, you're like, "What the fuck? That's silly." But for whatever reason, in this particular movie, it makes it exactly where it needs to be in sense of tone. You could never take this movie too seriously because they're time traveling and the way the characters did the over the topness. And maybe um, I know Christopher Lloyd said he had no idea that Stoltz was going to be let go. Whereas Tom uh, Wilkinson, Tom Wil, who plays Biff, yeah, I forget his name. He did, I'll check out his stuff on YouTube. He does some uh, stand up comedy and he plays songs. Uh, he's got. I'll show you guys after. It's hilarious. Anyway, he said he knew there was something wrong, and this was the first movie he had ever acted in, and he was really afraid he was going to get fired. But he's like acting with Stoltz. He's like, I was like, something is wrong, and I can sense it. But Christopher Lloyd said no, which is weird because I'm trying to imagine Doc doing his crazy run for Marty and Stoltz <laughs> being like, okay. <laughs> well, I think a lot of the movie had already been shot, and I think a it lot had. of the reaction shots are people talking to and playing off of Eric Stoltz. It is, yeah, that's absolutely true. And it took, I think, three or six weeks to reshoot and cost the studio uh, $3 million more um, to get rid of it. But, and considering that this movie had how many rewrites of the script, Colin? It was like 30 or something I don't like even, that? Yeah, it went on for years. And some producer, studio exec, tried to rename the movie like 
man from Pluto or some yeah. bullshit like that. And uh, a rumor around that is that Steven Spielberg, who was a producer on the film, wrote a letter to him saying, uh, thanks for the joke memo. And the producer was so like shy and he was like, oh God, it wasn't a joke. And he shamed just shut him. up. Yeah, shamed that. Him. <laughs> that was hilarious. How I met your mother. But, um, <laughs> but a great move to get rid of Stoltz. You don't hear about that with too many movies these days where someone's getting fired halfway through and then they're going back and reshooting. And so I, I also watched this with someone who'd never seen it before. And they, uh, the, the, the incest stuff with him and his mom, she would get very um, uncomfortable during those scenes. She would like look at me when they're in the car together and she wanted to make out with him and she was like what's going to happen so i think I, i'm surprised that this movie even got made in 85 because there was so much incest reference there's not only that i mean you got to look at this movie and think it must have been a really different time in the 80s and and you, all you can do is compare it to where we are now and maybe if we look at this movie in another 30 years society will be in a place that we can look back on some of this and laugh but the sexual assault and, and potential rape and, and incest is kind of rampant in this movie. Like you can't get away from it. And it's just because of the tone of society today. It's hard to view that as I, as I know. Much and I mean, I don't want to jump to the ending, but I'll forget about this. But the one thing I thought was funny is when Biff is waxing their car and they're like, well, if it wasn't for Biff, we would have never met. You mean so if it wasn't for if Biff tried to rape you and yeah. he had to stop Biff from raping you, that yeah. you would have never met? And is so you Biff, hired him as a fucking employee. Or Biff, detail, yeah, do some car detailing. Biff is weirdly flamboyant at the end too. Like, yeah, from what he was, this macho guy, and now he's like, oh, sorry, Mister Fly, here's your, your books. books here. Yeah. He was repressing his gay self. <laughs> Maybe he got punched into being gay. I don't yeah. know. Um, I weird. think people are okay with the uh, incest. Be well, guys are because Leah Thompson was so adorable. Because <laughs> a lot of guys watch it going, yeah, yeah, I would. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's Come on, where you the, thought it. That's where the uncomfortness comes from. You the discomfort. It. You thought it. So Mar what? Marty, Marty, the character Marty, he's really getting on George's case for uh, how to treat women and how to pick up women, and just the way Marty is. I don't know if he's. Um, I mean, he's got Jennifer back home, who um, uh, he's really into. So he, he kind of fancies himself a bit of a ladies' man. He's like, girls like this and girls like that. Come on, George, you just got to stand up. Haven't you ever done this before? So why the fuck doesn't Marty just tell Lorraine, I'm not into you. Get out of my face. Instead, he's just like he's so along. overwhelmed. And he's like, uh, uh, okay, I'll take you to the dance. What? She probably and then his plan more. is to sexually assault her so that she's uncomfortable so that George can come along. Like, that's a fucking really shitty plan. From step one, Marty should have just been like, uh, <laughs> stop talking to me. And and plus, then there's the fact that she kind of sexually assaulted him because when he wakes up in bed and she's like, oh, I, I never saw anyone with purple underwear before. And then she hears her mother coming. She's like, well, quick, put your pants back on, which means... Yeah. For no reason at all, other than probably to check out his junk, she ripped his pants off and put him in bed. And then she wiped her chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is strange. Um, that's what I, I'm saying, though, is like, I feel like it's, I feel like people might, might be, have been horrified until she kissed him and then stopped and said it was like kissing my brother. Yeah. And then everyone breathes this huge sigh of relief. And they're like, thank God, this ain't going to go where I thought it might go. But maybe that's what makes it interesting because you're waiting to see where the hell this is going to go. Yeah. Well, handled weirdly by all parties involved. Um, but it still works. Once again, like all of this still works. It does, does it? weirdly flow. There's a lot of flow. Like, there's a lot of flaws, though. I, I, 
I would like. Yeah, I didn't understand please, Marty's motivations. Those. He just was kind of plopped in there, and we're supposed to like him because he's cool. We don't know what kind of kid he is. He does I seem wish... like a loner. Like he has Jennifer, but no other guy friends. But how do we, how did he get Jennifer? Like we don't know him as a human being. We don't know him as a student. We don't know his contrast to his dad, other than he tells his dad to stand up for himself and and tells his dad what he what girls like later. It would have been nice if we would see Marty as a student and as a young person, but we don't get any of no, that. No, it's true. Well, we do know he hangs out with a much, much older man. Um, <laughs> totally. He's a and scientist. his mom's an alcoholic because uh, Leah Thompson is chugging down and the his vodka. It would have been nice, though, to see his life is him a piece of as shit. a contrast. I'll, I, I totally agree. To see a bit more of him instead of just the surroundings he's in and yeah. we're automatically supposed to but, like and follow the protagonist. Yeah, but I mean, we movie. do because Michael J. Fox, but on paper, I don't think but saying it's that, not enough. But saying that, I think now we're on to the reason why the movie does work in this weird structure is because we know way more about the family members than we do about Marty. Like, we get way more details and information on his parents, even his brother and his sister, yeah. Than him. And then so when they all change at the end of the movie, we're happy because they were miserable, unhappy alcoholics. So it's just weird. It's a weird movie. Well, the other weird part is that the, the final message of the movie is not really that love conquers all, but that um, under the right circumstances, you can make a lot of money and be much happier. Because yeah. um, Marty gets the truck he wants and his family is like... They're much richer, and the guy, uh, his brother's wearing the suit to the office instead of going to McDonald's to work. So that's kind of a weird message at the at the end of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's also about like change. I, I mean, the whole changing your past or the, the the butterfly effect. I mean, there's a lot of that going on in that movie too. Because like the when he tells Doc that his father punched Biff, and then hit, you see the look on Doc's face, and he's like, uh. Eh. So I don't know. I, I think there's more going on than what you're saying. Yeah, well, I don't know, explicitly or... Well, or his father was successful and happy and uh, and he was miserable and... Uh, right, he was successful because he punched somebody in the face. So, so from <laughs> okay, George's so perspective, that's from George's perspective, he violence. found his confidence, so right? And then he got everyone. the woman that he... He didn't even really want Lorraine, <laughs> like... He only did because Marty said. Anyway, but he found his confidence and then was then successful in life, as juxtaposed when he was a weak piece of shit in high school and he was a weak piece of shit through but old life. But Paul's right, though. If you punch people, you'll be successful, is what the movie's yeah, really saying. That's just the go. Message. Anybody guess, who yeah. messes with you, just punch them in the face and you, yeah. you'll have great success. Riches will fall into your lap. What was the, what was the quote? If you put your mind to it, if you, you put your fist in someone else's face, you can accomplish anything. And Crispin Glover, we haven't even mentioned him yet. What a fucking weirdo he is in real life. Holy cow. So He's a lunatic. It's really <laughs> interesting about this uh, is, uh, I don't know if everybody has seen Crispin Glover's appearance on Letterman um, when he was wearing a wig and dressed in these crazy shoes and definitely acting like he was tripping on something. Uh, so I always assumed that he was tripping balls and was a very strange person. But apparently he was playing a character from a movie that wouldn't end up being released until 91. So it made like very little sense as to what he was doing. Um, and he actually revels in the fact that people are still talking about it 20 and 30 years later. Um, and, you know, I've seen some minor clips of him in a podcast where he's holding a very, um, a, a conversation with someone that seems to make sense. So I don't know how actually crazy he was. Can he not... go on tour or make a movie with mentally challenged people or something? I don't know. 
Maybe yeah. that was what the movie he released is because I'd never heard of or I think seen that was it another, after. That was another project. But he was not used in the following Back to the Future movies, and he successfully sued them yes. for that. Yes, why? And rightfully so. Why would? He, what do you mean he wasn't used? They used a likeness of him in the and movies. They put makeup on the the replacement to make them look like him. Yeah, and it was the first time that ever happened. So he sued for three quarters of a million. Or he sued and they paid him out. They just paid him without going to trial for three quarters the, of a million, and then changed the Screen, screen Actors Guild yeah, rules. Totally. Yeah, totally. So just where because of that? So where was he in the other movies? Because I don't remember. They him. didn't want him. I think they had the. No, his, I'm just saying where his dad is an old I mean, man, wasn't he? Um, I don't remember his family being in the other movies. I remember in the second one, yeah, in the future, they're still alive. Oh, oh, when he's the old man. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So that was really interesting. And then also, um, I wondered just briefly why Jennifer, the actress, didn't play Jennifer in the other two, and Elizabeth Shue came in and played for two and three. Uh, I always thought that that was kind of a maybe Elizabeth Shue was a bigger household name, but unfortunately, the main actress who was playing Jennifer, her mother had cancer and she quit acting to take care of her. Oh, Aww. I had no <laughs> idea. Aww. Aww. Yeah. No, that is sweet. I never heard that though. I always thought it was a money thing. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what you'd assume. Um, okay, some inconsistencies I wanted to chat about because these are always fun to point out uh, 30 years after the fact. So uh, Doc is able to drive the DeLorean with a remote, uh, but the DeLorean is a manual transmission. How the hell does he do that? <laughs> that I never even thought <laughs> no, about that. And Marty had to shift about. a third to get up to 88 then minutes <clears throat> later. That DeLorean, I believe, had a 160 horsepower V6 engine too. 130. Uh, yeah. What? 130. It's not much faster than your Honda Fit engine today. Yeah. Seriously. T- 10 seconds. It's a piece of shit car. It's really, it's not, it's, it's 8.8 8 seconds, car. 0 to 60. Yeah, it just had a good exterior. It had a three-year run and then was never made again. It had a cool looking exterior, <clears throat> let's say that. But uh, they, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a pretty car. If you touch it, it's like touching your sink after, yeah. you know. They picked it for its gull wing doors. That was pretty much it. So it yeah. looked like the spaceship. It's a great story, guys. If you want to do some research into John Z. DeLorean and the story behind that uh, DeLorean Motor Company, it's a really interesting read. I won't bore you with details now about uh, cocaine smuggling and uh, ripping off the Irish government. But yeah, it's all there on the internet. <laughs> that was John DeLorean, what he was doing? Yeah. Um, okay, Biff's crew, uh, Billy Zane. <coughs> did you notice Billy Zane was in Biff's crew? He I played did not. the character named Match. I had to look that up. And then the guy with the 3D glasses, whose name is 3D, that's uh, Casey uh, Zemesco is his name, who is in Three O'Clock High and Of Mice and Men. Oh. Yeah. Never seen it. So that must have been their kind of first foray into films. So that was really interesting. I know that uh, the person who was originally cast as Biff, uh, was a, they moved him into the gang and, and brought in the Biff replacement just for the differences in height. Huh. And that the original person cast as Marty's girlfriend was Can because she was too tall compared to Michael J. Fox. Yeah, Michael J. Fox is five foot four. Um, what? Christopher Lloyd is six foot one. So they had to do a whole bunch of interesting camera tricks, and and uh, Christopher Lloyd had to slouch a bunch when acting in all scenes with Marty in all three movies. As much as I love Christopher Lloyd, uh, the first choice for the role was John Lithgow, and he's about the only person I can think of that could have pulled off that role I as well. I think he would have done a good yeah, job with that. I yeah, really, John I Lithgow's got some chops in the comedy area. Um, interesting thing I noticed this time, when uh, Marty first goes in to talk to Doc um, to explain that he's from the future, he hands over the picture of his brother and sister and him, and he says, look, class of 1984 or 1985, and Doc takes the picture and says, it's a doctored picture. 
your brother's hair is cut off. And I didn't notice this before, but they show a quick view picture of the picture and the brother's hair is already faded out of existence. And they don't even mention anything about that. So Doc is actually right. It is looked like his brother's oh, hair was cut off. Oh, it had already started disappearing. It already started disappearing. So that's something uh, I had not noticed before. Doc knew really about Photoshop. There Holy you go. Cow. Yeah, I also love all the stuff with Doc uh, when he first comes and they're like chatting and they're talking about and he, he they're talking about the president of the United States. All that stuff's still fantastic. The two of them together, it's it's almost like they're stage play acting, but for some reason it works. I tell you, it only works because of those two. Yeah. I, the only reason that movie is successful is because of Michael J. Fox and uh, Christopher Lloyd. Because I, I honestly, I think it would have crashed and fucking burned badly if it wasn't for such strong players in the lead. I agree. I completely agree. You mentioned the president shit. Um, they had to send the script or, or get approval from the White House to say that stuff about Reagan. And they showed the movie to Reagan apparently in a theater and he laughed so hard he got them to rewind the scene. He's like, Ronald Reagan, the actor? <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um... What else was I going to say? Oh, oh, the thing that ahead. bothers me, always has bothered me, is strangely, even back in 85, is that it's not Michael J. Fox singing Johnny Be Good. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows he that. He does a pretty good job of pretending to play the guitar. The guitar stuff's fine, um, but he it's its but clearly not, not his voice. Yeah. Why didn't they just get him to sing a bad version? It's, it's actually they wanted, really weird. They were supposed to be scene. talented musicians in his band, so... Well, he wasn't the singer. He just played guitar, what, didn't no, he? No, I think he was going to be singing. He was the front man when he played Colin, with the pinheads. That's the power of love. It is. <laughs> and I love Goldie Wilson. Yeah, even though... Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> God, that's fair. awful. I, I'm a big fan of Goldie Wilson. You like Goldie, hey? Yeah. Um, and Einstein. One other tidbit that I picked up this time is that uh, just before Marty's going back and Doc finds the letter in his, in his coat... And he rips it up uh, and says, no, I don't want to hear about this. And then the, um, the cable is pulled out of the, out of the clock tower. Um, it quickly shows Doc putting his hand back in his pocket before going off to do the thing. So Doc does save that torn up letter, um, which is a good bit of continuity. Because if he had thrown it into the wind, when I was thinking back, I didn't remember him putting it in his pocket. I was like, how did he go find all those pieces of that letter and do it? But he actually was very... Also, what if the terrorist shot him in that. the face? That's another thing is he put in his note, <laughs> you were shot by terrorists. And Doc's like, I'll wear a vest. <laughs> right yeah. in the face. Like, sorry, Doc, we'll try again next a time. A helmet maybe too. Back in the 80s, you could have uh, Middle Eastern terrorists yeah, in movies the, and, not, and, and actually say they were from the Middle East. And also the look of the Middle Eastern terrorists was hilarious. More Rastafarian Muslim, yeah. maybe. Yeah. No, that was ridiculous. They were I mean, hilarious. Go! <laughs> <laughs> he'd never get away with that once again today did they die when they hit that photo booth yeah they should have had the their vehicle blow up because why aren't they going to just jump out of the car and yeah, shoot gun marty, marty down when marty he's and doc, doc just kind of have a conversation there with libyans 100 feet away with rpgs just standing there seatbelts folks plus like marty rolls <laughs> over doc who's lying there with his eyes open and gives no indication he's alive when he's clearly alive and shot in the chest uh, with a with a bulletproof vest on so is doc just fucking with him at that point or did Maybe. he pass out be. with his eyes open? Everybody like, knows that terrorists drive Toyota trucks too. They don't drive <laughs> fucking Volkswagen minibuses. Mini <laughs> Look um, at any terrorist ISIS video, whatever it is, it's a Toyota truck. It's Doc was going to fight them too. He had a pistol. I always liked that. I forgot about that. And then it just didn't have any bullets in it. Because yeah, he was going to like, like unload on those guys. Bad show, Doc. 
And even after he knew his future, he still decided to go through and steal the plutonium from the Libyans and didn't think of another way to do that. He's like, I'll just rely on the fact that they might shoot me in the chest with a machine gun from five feet away. Yeah. Good job, Doc. And that's still probably not very safe to get shot with an AK in the chest with the bulletproof vest on. Like, that's not a guaranteed survival, right? No. No. Uh, yeah, not guaranteed. I mean, just... They'd have odds. to be very it's accurate. Like if Marty said think, you get hit six times in the range of where a bulletproof vest would cover you, then that's fine. But I think there's if, a fundamental misunderstanding of what bullets can do in movies. Because yes. we've been lied to for so many years about the effects about bullets and machine guns and guns, <laughs> the damage that they do, that we just accept this kind of nonsense as being, yeah, that's actually, that's that's probably how it happens. And a lot of people actually think that to this day. They, they do. And it, it's funny if you watch, um, there's an old World War II era video about guns and how powerful they are. And it shows a handgun and they shoot at a tree, at a pretty thick tree too. And by the time they get to um, uh, an uh, M1 Garand, um, which is the rifle they use most popularly, um, they're blasting through a tree, like and k killing whatever's on the other side. So, like, so trees won't do in cover if you're having this kind so of. So, what you're saying is, you. if somebody broke in, I couldn't hide behind the couch to be safe, <laughs> or run behind a drywall. <laughs> no, <laughs> a wall made of drywall. A That's picket not fence. Protect no, me. Oh, sorry, shit. it's not going to work for not anything. For sure, it would. What would stop um, Lorraine, who was introduced halfway through the movie to Doc, to going by his place, living in the same town as him, or running into him at the grocery store and saying, hey, where's your nephew Marty? Whatever happened to him? And Doc would be like, uh, what? <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, because yeah. they could see each other. Yeah. They could run into... Well, did he live far away? I think he lived far away. Just... He was on the other end of town, I guess. No, I Maple, mean... Maple, other end No, of I town. mean, his nephew Marty came from out of town, didn't he? I suppose it wouldn't well, have been much of a school, discussion. Though. Yeah, for a couple of days. Like, he never yeah, even well, he just, he just showed in. up. He just went to... Did he go to classes? <laughs> no, Why? I don't think he, he did. He was in the cafeteria. He was hanging out in high Everyone school with his dad. Everyone just accepted him. And yeah, that was... I don't know if you can just do that, but I don't know. It was the Back 50s, then, they would have all known each other. They would have been like, who's this weird kid? Yeah, who's this yeah. kid in my class? He's not on my list. In a vest. <laughs> yeah, in his life preserver. I like all that stuff, too, with the clothing and the... It's just... I like the... Just, I want a tab. Oh, you can't have a tab. You got to order something. He's like, well, I want a Pepsi free. You want a Pepsi? You got to pay for it. I love all that <laughs> shit. That's good. Did he play the video? Oh, no. Did he play the video game in this where he shoots no, people? No, that's the next one. Forget it. Which okay. is dumb, but whatever. So? Um, what so, else do I have? A oh, okay. Last thing about... Um, so this movie is about time travel. And normally with time travel movies, you got insane paradoxes that blow your brain up. This one's actually pretty good for that because... It always keeps you on Marty's timeline, and so you don't think about it. But the fact that he changes the future means that from a time travel perspective, you have to accept that there are multiple infinite possibilities uh, and multiple timelines. So he's just shifted onto a new timeline. Uh, and that means that there is a timeline where Doc Brown is assassinated by Libyan terrorists. We're, let's assume because of how the movie ended that those Libyan terrorists also died and the plutonium would be found on scene um, with Einstein, the dog, who would be left there. Uh, and Marty would be, just disappear and never be found again. So his family in that timeline would be like, where's Marty? And because the principal knew that Marty hung around with Doc Brown, he'd report that to the FBI and they'd be like, put that connection together. So they'd probably assume that Marty was kidnapped by other Libyan terrorists and is being uh, held captive. I want to see that movie. Forever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
Alec Jones? Is that you? Like, holy <laughs> fuck, where did that shit come from? <laughs> That's what I, was I thought you were banned from the internet. <laughs> yeah, they just assume the worst. Still, okay, so now we always talk shit about movies, even if they're great. Um, this movie, uh, you know, don't think it would win any awards except for maybe most enjoyable movie. It's just... Because of the level of comedy, uh, as Paul stated a couple of times already, um, put forth by the top two actors, you don't take a lot of this movie seriously. And even with the incest and sexual assault and rape, um, both from man to women. So it's, it's uh, you know, um, it's, it's partisan. Um, his mom was aggressive, but I wouldn't assault. say she raped him. You don't know, but she did take his pants off. So let's roll reverse that. And <laughs> yeah, a young okay, woman travels fair. back to the nope, future, yeah, and that's... I take her pants off. And I'm like, put your pants back on. Like, I'm going to prison. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. No, I, I didn't. I forget about the pants thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the, the leg squeezing and other things too. So, um, yeah, she, she was, was aggressive. So she got what she deserved. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the case. Um, I think this movie holds up. It's fun. It's really fun to watch. Really, really fun. Um, it, it, besides the makeup, the look, the directing, the, the colors, everything looks really great. They did a great job of old Hill Valley. Um, the, the little things they put in that they never say, oh, this is called Lone Pine Mall now to bring it to the audience's attention. Um, they don't do that. And I like that stuff. Um, so Zemeckis did a great job with this movie considering all of the challenges that it had. And it still holds up today. Yeah, I would say the makeup is by far the worst thing about this movie looking at it how many years later. But and the Biff stuff, I, I can see why the sequels were so bad because they repeat all of the Biff jokes and stuff. And it's actually kind of a little bit annoying in even the first movie. Like I get sick of the, the, sh the you know, the shitty, the Biff character. So like that was kind of annoying for me this time. It wasn't as enjoyable as it used to be. But I still, yeah, I would watch this movie again. Absolutely. It holds up. I'm going to say no, but let me give you a qualifier. Uh, I'd watched a shitty documentary called Back in Time before I watched Back to the Future. Oh, of course, steak. Back in Time is steak. about the making or behind the scenes and all everything about Back to the Future. And of course, in the documentary, they showed all the best parts and all the key plot points and everything without the framework of the movie. So by the time I watched the movie, I was kind of like, I've been there, done that. And a lot of the magic was gone for me. Mm. Um, I, I, I struggle whether this movie is good because of nostalgia and people grew up watching it uh, and whether or whether it's just good in general. So I'm kind of on the fence about this. For me, if I was to watch this movie again, it wouldn't be for a very, 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 very long time. Same as listening to Huey Lewis. Yeah. So you're saying it does not hold <laughs> for up? Me for me personally, no. But again, I've got a qualifier in that, though. Yeah, well, this whole podcast is about our personal opinions. Yeah. And if we had an objective way to do this, I don't think it would be nearly as fun um, as uh, talking about sexual assault and incest. So... Uh, two holds up, one <laughs> not hold up. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what? I yeah. don't know what that meant, but uh, I still say it holds up. Right on. <laughs> I, you know what? Leah Thompson still holds up to do too today. If you see her, it's like, yeah, she still looks really good. Good for her. Good. Yeah. Nice. Michael J. Fox, not so much. Ha. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <Yeah. laughs> A little shot there. Come yeah. on. His clip in. Uh, um... I, I, I link our Instagram to his uh, thing. So Did you really? Let's take that out. Oh. <laughs> What's Larry David's show? Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Kirby, he was great in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Absolutely was. Pop stuff, I can't so. believe we made it. So I thought we were going to go right to the end without making any uh, disease jokes. But... Oh, no, no. Okay. Diseases are funny. No, yeah. <laughs> no that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, folks, you heard it here. It's pretty good, except for one of us who made a mistake. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's Paul's fault. No way we'll get this thing up to the middle of 80 miles per hour, Marty. Oh, you know what? Uh, Doc, when he's driving the car right at him and Marty, doesn't actually know that it's going to work. Yeah. He's never tested oh, it, and he drives it right the example. fuck at him. And I'm glad we bring that back up, because it doesn't make any sense that you would stand in front of it when you don't know if it's going to work. What are you trying work? to prove? Like, if it doesn't work, we're dead. I don't want to live anymore, and you shouldn't live either. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally true. It's a suicide mission. It's if true. Either this works or I'm giving up. And does Marty know it's absolutely going to work when um, he's driving at the photo booth himself, getting up to 88? Or was he just going to be like, I'm at 90. I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, he was driving straight into something. Yeah. And it seems like they always are. Even with that, he crashes into the movie theater. Yeah. That kind of makes sense because he popped back in time after getting up to 88. But did he not know that they, he was going to do that i don't know he must have right he's go heading straight for it at nine. and there was no damage to the car even though he went through wow, the front of a, that building I, based on what paul was saying that thing's a tank is it not it's stainless steel yeah yeah well the stainless steel construction make the flexible look out <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways Flaming yeah that works, was messed yeah. up let me try one more time <clears throat> no way we'll get this thing up to eight miles oh see i can't even say it <laughs> eight miles per hour miles per hour no way we'll get this thing up to 88 miles per hour marty <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a gangster from the 40s it does yeah yeah it, shame marty we'll never get enough i don't want to lip out of you i'll fill you full of lead is what i'll do see <laughs> <laughs> was doc living in his garage because uh, yeah. they show he had he had his house, and then there's the news articles that his house burned down. He was down. doing his experiments in the garage. I, but no, I think he was living in there, too. He, he was living in a different house in 85 because Marty had no idea where it was in 55. He oh, the, but like, he still had the garage because that's where Marty comes out of at the very start. No, I just mean, I mean it was a completely different house and garage because Marty had no, no idea where he lived. The same in. garage. No, I'm saying Marty had to go to the phone book and find out where Doc lived. If he, if he, knew, he knew where Doc lived no, in 85. that's true. But I know that the garage Marty comes out of at the start where Doc had his lab is the same garage that Doc has earlier in the film when his big house is up on the hill just, you know, a few steps away from that garage. Because in my opinion, just from what I remember, like, of the movie, I always assumed that Doc said he had money, family money, and he used to live in, like, a mansion high up in the hills. And then over time, spending all his money on his inventions, he moved to some crap hole, and that's where he was living in 85. Yeah, no, it said his estate burned down in the oh. newspaper articles at the start and his house was right next to his garage but they're so separated you could see how that would go. his house burnt down i'm assuming that was because of him yeah it was said it was in the late in the 50s meth lab yeah and he's definitely a meth head run for it marty <laughs> <laughs> great scott <laughs> okay folks that's it for back to the future see you next time Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM. We're also on YouTube and our channel is Hold Up, which is two words.